I'll tell you something that I've been wondering about recently is what is, is there going to be a storytelling that is post cinema? Is there already that? And what is it going to look like? And what I'm thinking, you know, if we had the era of the printing press where the novel was the way we mm. told stories and then we had the era of the broadcast screen where the, the movie was the, the main way of storytelling and now we've got the internet. Yeah. yeah. Is there something else? Yeah, maybe there's something else. I don't think, I was thinking about this later and I, I'm not sure if one thing replaces the other. I think they just, they just you just keep going because people are still reading books and, uh, and, and then people will still keep watching movies and then television is a bit more, let's say, long form. Uh-huh. It's a bit more like a Russian novel, which you you know you 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 digest you could digest over time, mm. than a short story. A, a movie is a bit more like a short story, right? It's a it's a it's a compressed sort of universe, um, and I think well, most most creativity is moved to TV these days. Uh, TV has its advantages and disadvantages too. Um, because it's not as communal maybe as a movie, you know, it's like a movie is like a Joker movie comes out and everybody goes to see it. And there, there are the, and then, you know, there's these TV shows that people kind of, kind of watch in a serial way. But I think with Netflix and all that, maybe this sort of, it's less of an event. Maybe if it's not if a TV series is less of an event as a movie. So maybe movies will remain as this kind of event. And, you know, most of them being pretty mediocre and then one comes up like Joker and everybody goes to see it. And, and then, um, and then, and then, well, I guess tele television um, is, is perhaps a bit more sophisticated than movies these days. And it, it takes place also within your personal, your, in your living room, instead of you go to this um, movie house, which is sort of like a, a quasi temple, um, can you can you can you riff off anything I've said said there? Is is, is anything I'm saying landing or? Mm, I'll tell you where something is wanting me to go now is to just on the topic of TV. Like, have you seen Black Mirror and what do you think of it? Sure, I have. Sure, I have. Yeah, as yeah. well. It's, it's Black Mirror is cutting edge TV. It's you know it's dark, cutting edge, extremely uh, dystopian TV, and and um, yeah, I think it's 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 legit. It's legitimate. You know. Mm. I think it's 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 uh, it's a legitimate uh, expression of neurosis in the uh, internet age or something like that. Because mm. uh -huh. I I hope that I would hope that also that again it's very nihilistic and dark and so I, I hope that there's there's some I hope that we can and and there's a lot of this uh, uh, dystopian darkness in in, in popular culture. Uh, at the moment, and I, I do think that's legitimate. I think that's something we need to look at. But I also think we need positive grand narratives again. This is what I talk about a lot with Alexander Bard and, and his whole uh, idea is to construct a, a new, new grand narratives um, because of what we talked about before, because of the need of a constructive principle, right? Rather than just getting lost in doom and gloom and, 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 and you know waiting for the end of the world. Is there, do you think, anything that separates these new grand narratives from old grand narratives? Perhaps like a dispelling of naivety? 
yeah that's important postmodernism. yeah um well uh john verveke has a phrase you know and i i write and think a lot about john verveke's work these days i uh, um what was it pseudo-religious ideologies uh-huh uh, we want to avoid pseudo-religious ideologies you know because pseudo-religious ideologies are incomplete and dangerous and and we have enough evidence of that i think in the 20th century uh to know that's true um and this is kind of a, a an untrendy thing to say but 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 i i think there has to be a real actually a religious quality to i think i think religion has to come back <laughs> online again it, but not in not in let, let's say the uh, what Reiki calls the Iron Age hierarchies, not in that sense, mm -hmm. but uh, but in the sense of let's say primordial religion, which is very 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 old and very very deep and very very you know it's it's like uh, that that has to come back uh, online uh, in some level. So I think that I think the grand narratives. I think a grand narrative by definition has a religious quality to it. Uh, maybe it has an ideological quality to it, but, but not a, not a, uh, but a constructive one, uh -huh. not a, not a um, dis destructive or deconstructive one. Right. Cause when we're talking about all this, like uh, we're talking about when you're talking about black mirror and Joker and all, all these, all these are, these are, are very deconstructive. The dystopian is, vision is, is all is deconstructive, and that's we're still in postmodernism here, and and we're trying to find what's after postmodernism. I think is what what's what's the grand narrative going to be. So uh, you know it could be a lot of things. It could be uh, Bard says uh, ecotopia, right? Um, creating a sustainable world. He it prefers that to to let's say environmentalism because environmentalism is just another sort of. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's still a game A game, right? But 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 maybe uh, ecotopianism would be a constructive uh, uh, sort of game. You know, mm. um, that's 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 one of his ideas, which which I've been playing around with and thinking about. Um, because yeah, it's it's easy to say, okay, we don't want to be utopian anymore. We don't want to be naive. We don't want to, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you always have to have, let's say, a vision of the promised land, right? <laughs> I'm using religious language and not, not from a Christian point of view or anything like that. I'm just saying that these things are true and they're in, in, in you know, uh, just from the point of view of, of uh, you know, archetypal truths is, is you need to have a vision of the promised land. Mm, that you know, I was thinking somewhere you're, you're going, somewhere you're some, you're going some direction. So, so this is you know a lot of what worries me in the in the whole environmental movement is this doom and gloom. You know, getting getting lost in the, this doom and gloom dystopia, and, and and rather than saying okay, let's construct something, let's 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 construct something again. Let's construct something beautiful. Mm. Well, right. I was arguing with my sister last night about this, and she was saying, well, a if the world collapses and we all die, then we deserve it because we've done it to ourselves. Mm. I'm saying, I mean, like, I, I get your point, but there's something that feels to me almost like self-effacing in that. And then also like, well, saying, I, 
Sorry to interrupt, but that really like my, my, my primary school teacher, you know, sends this message to my daughter that she's 10 years old, my daughter that, you know, mankind is evil, you know? So what, what, what kind of message is that to plant into the, 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 the young growing soul of a, a 10 year old who, who loves animals and, and nature and you're, you know, human beings are evil. Okay. Human beings are a cancer on the earth. Human beings are, you know, this is, this is like, this is the, this is the, often the common uh, environmental message. And, and, and I say, okay, yes, you know, human beings, we've struggled, we've done bad things. We've, 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 we we're, you know, we can be demonic and, and terrible and, or we, but we've also, but we also need to also have a constructive, you know, a constructive, a constructive message that in any circumstances you, you, you can do something, you know, uh, you know, in any circumstances, in any circumstances, and, and our circumstances in the developed world are, you know, most of our problems are more to do with narcissism and obesity than they are to do with privation and hunger, right? Um, that's what we're dealing with. Uh, so so, so we, we, we have all this power and potential and... and um, um, So, so, so yeah, so that's, again, that's why, that's why I'm, 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 I'm thinking a lot and, 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 and writing with, with uh, thinking about John Verveke's work as in, in the way out of this, this meaning crisis, because all of these dystopian films and dystopian visions are expressions of, of, of a meaning crisis. Mm. Yeah, you know, it is very present, that sense of humanity as evil, that, I do see it as self-hating projected outwards onto everybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was saying to my sister as well, she was saying, look, there's just so many things to do and we need to do it and we're not doing it. And I said, well, if it was that easy, if it was just as easy as doing it, then we would do it. It's not like I think the world is filled with people who actually want to cause environmental catastrophe. Yeah. It's just, the systems have reached a point of complexity that we have very little control over them. And they are kind of in this snowballing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And well, how much control and agency do we really have in our, in our lives? I mean, yeah. And what can we do? You know, Gurchev said, you know, man machine, we're like, we're very mechanical, right? We're just stuck in this man. You were stuck in this sort of, program this machine and, and again i think it's just attention every little drop of consciousness and attention is what sort of you know sort of sort of breaks us out of this machine-like reality into a more living world yeah i think there's also in the environmental movement a, this kind of false dualism between man and nature mm -hmm. and then as a result of it this like man is evil and nature is beautiful and good. And so you get these beautiful David Attenborough documentaries, which are wonderful, but they do present yeah. the natural world as this. It's like the garden of Eden that we have destroyed. Yeah. That is the underlying mythology, I think in a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And exactly. So again, we're stuck in Christianity and we're stuck in the guilt that comes along with it. Because we're stuck in dualism. Yeah. We're stuck in um, the you know good and bad, good and evil. We're stuck in a shallow morality about how things are. 
-hmm. And uh, yeah, so the the yeah, and 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 a romanticism about you know. So you know, I think that the Joni Mitchell says that he's like we have to get back to the garden. That's kind of the hippie ethos, right? It's like civilization is evil and all that we've created is evil and we have to get back to somewhere and that place would be an ideal place right um and actually i think the garden is always present and 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 uh, you know and um you know the machine is always present or the let's say the dark aspect of our nature and all those things are they're both present simultaneously and, and uh, it's not about getting back to it it's it's aligning ourselves with um with what is most meaningful and valuable and real rather than than rather than um uh let's say yeah just yeah this i guess i guess yeah i guess it's just uh, there had yeah you have to have a a, a you can choose between, you know, self-loathing and, 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 and actually, you know, choosing to fall in love with reality as it is all, all the time. I mean, you know, whatever is the, the, the fuck is, is happening is, is somewhat wondrous and amazing, you know, so and painful as well and horrible, but, you know. Am I am I making any sense here? Or? Yeah, I no, tend to, I'm a lateral thinker. I'm I'm not good at following a a clear line of thought. I, I tend to go out in many directions. So I, me I hope too. that hasn't been too. Me uh, too. It's <laughs> all associations. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, so what I was thinking there is again about this idea of back to the garden, and you know, a garden is not a forest. A garden is sculpted by man. Mm -hmm. Even the word paradise originally means walled garden. Yeah. Talk about a garden of paradise. It is, it is nature as crafted quite specifically by a higher conscience intention. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that nature as it is in itself is a garden is wrong. Yeah. 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 It's and so it's, nature is, doesn't have good and evil. It doesn't have, it doesn't, doesn't have um, any boundaries. Uh -huh. And and human human beings. Again, it's back to art. We're art making creatures. We we make we make we make we make uh, you know we make we make um, we decide like that the, the water is going to go in this direction. We don't make the water, right? It's not like we're constructing nature. Like a part of what you were saying, I was like, okay, we're in control. No, we're, we're, it's a balance between 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 you know between order and, and chaos between you know between and that that's that's the the right kind of garden is not a enclosed system at all it's 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 very uh it's permeable and it lets it lets in what's already here you know what's already been created and and it it it, it uh and, and and you work with that with delicacy and you know intelligence and sometimes brute force, you know, whatever you, you know, all, all of, all of the, the tools that you have, again, to try to create something, something that reflects, you know, again, using a, a, a religious, unfashionable religious term, something that reflects the, the divine, yeah, I would say. Mm. I think that idea of religion connects to a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of 
intimacy and like civilization in perpetuity and and even parenthood you know i'm thinking mm. about when people talk about perhaps the genesis of religions i think peterson has talked about this being um the tribes and then you've got the father and the mother and the father mm-hmm. of the father and the mother of the mother and if you take that abstraction yeah. back then eventually you get to the original father and the original mother and so yeah if we're following that that line of the genesis of religion that built into it is this idea of of parenting and of handing on the knowledge and the world from one generation to the next Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool that you brought that up, actually, because uh, I have a son. He was born like November 3rd, <laughs> so he's three weeks old. I also have a daughter who's 10, and I was just having a conversation a, a little bit. I was just listening to Jordan Hall talk about parenthood, and I wanted, and I was thinking of, I wanted to talk to him about that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to get, get his opinion on what is Plan B parenting, or sorry, I keep saying Plan B game B parenting or what is enough, you know, what is, what does parenting mean um, in the world to come or, you know, the future world or the world that's not there is like, um, uh, and, and yeah. So that's, it's, it's very interesting that it's funny how, how you've, you're asking me all these questions that I'm already, that's, uh, that, that it's already going through my mind at the same time. So there's this synchronistic sort of quality to, when you said parenting and, and talked about parenting, do you want to go a little bit further and, and, and about about that? Talk about what you mean. Yeah. So let me see what can roll off my tongue here. Well, okay. Well, something I've been thinking about as well in terms of fatherhood in particular is this sense that I think Fatherhood is a much later evolutionary phenomenon than motherhood. You know, a guy can, a mammal male can fuck a female and then go about his way. And in theory, the woman's got to go through the pregnancy and then is invested in raising the child where when mm-hmm. in the animal world, the male can just go off and do its thing. And it was something that happened when human development, where we developed this I don't know, it's not like psychotechnology, you could call it like a social technology of guys sticking around to be invested in raising the young. Mm-hmm. And that enables a different kind of useful development. And then that idea perhaps of, of fatherhood gets abstracted into something spirit, like the divine masculine, which has to be embodied by men and each man has to learn to come to this relationship with it or else he remains a boy and part of that yeah. is because it is it, it's less integral in the human experience perhaps than than motherhood is and that's not to say that women don't grow from being little girls to being women but i think certainly there's more boys who don't become men than there are women or girls who don't become women Hmm. i'm really rambling here i'm just thinking out loud is there anything in that that seems yeah well what i'm kind of hearing is something about the sort of tragedy of selection or something you know the fact that a lot of guys just really you know don't have the chance to or, or don't don't step up to that experience to become you know have a full life a lot of guys get you know killed in war or you know 
stuck behind their computer screens watching playing video games and and kind of just sort of i i noticed that that uh in the society today that men are, have a harder time finding a place uh, guys have a harder time finding a place in this world and i think that because the world has become so domesticated right um and and um and it, it and in the past you know, there's been a very clear role for, for, for there were very clear roles for what, what men do and, and what women do. In fact, like I think before 1920, even the tools in a farm would, would all be gendered. Everything would be gendered. Men do this and women do this, right? It's very clear. And now you get a bunch of men and women together in an office and, uh, and, um, and the roles are, are less clear. And there's, there's all this sort of flirtations and, and games that go on and and, um, and I, 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 I'm involved in men's groups and I think there I think men's groups are, are I think men's groups are incredibly important um, I think women's groups are equally important uh, but I think men's groups are less obvious like it's not it's, it's, it's much more it's, it's an intentional act for a bunch of guys to get together and and talk about things that matter and, and work on, on stuff together um, Men tend to get very isolated uh, in, in this culture. Men tend to isolate themselves. And so they have a choice between a sort of cliche masculine role, um, uh, which is kind of looked down upon, like, uh, or, or they, or, or they, they um, play an in-between role, an androgynous game, um, you know. And I think a lot of guys these days are sort of, just don't know what to do. They don't have, again, we're back to the Joker movie again because the Joker has no father, right? Uh, in the sense he has no model for life that's masculine and that's positive, okay? Uh, so so uh, he has no positive model for brotherhood with other guys. Uh, and that's so important and, and it's devalued. Um, Brotherhood with other men is is the most beautiful thing, and uh, it mostly they mostly in in the in the postmodern culture people make fun of that or, or something or consider it to be uh, look look down upon that I find mm. so 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 that's so so yeah and um, and I've seen that in, in so many so many men uh, kind of get lost and isolated and, and have a hard time with relationships and and. Uh, And um, so again, I, I think, and, and I think the Joker is the perfect movie uh, to to show what happens to 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 men when 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 masculinity, manhood, you know, a, a positive male principle is not present in, in society. It's either you know, it's either considered a, a kind of violence, a kind of toxicity, um, or it's just not important it has no importance you know masculinity has no importance it doesn't matter if you have a dick or a, a pussy or it makes no difference you know so um so so i think i i think i think i was talking i did a podcast with another guy about this and um and and he was saying it's like maybe one of the things we need to do these days is just you know ask this question what what is it what does it mean to be to be a man exactly precisely and not with any kind of answer not with any kind of ready-made answer of what that is you know uh, whether it be macho or a much chauvinistic 
vision of that or, 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 or you know, but, um, but I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's very important. Yeah. I think I listened to that podcast you did with, with the, the Danish guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way he spoke about it again, like discovering what it means to be a man without that ever being something that can be truly articulated. It's right. Exactly. It's yeah. an experience. And you guys were speaking about Heidegger in the sense of it. I'm thinking that you're saying about just like it progressively reveals deeper and deeper levels of understanding of what that might be to be a man. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that, and here I'm going to bring it back to my own experience. I felt like just through doing the podcast and being involved with with some of the networks we're in, it has gave me much more of a sense of what it is to be a man because I'm actually having conversations with much more older dudes who think about this stuff a lot. And you said it's not just being around the peer group, which I think yeah. is one of the big weird artificial things that our society does is stratify people to these age mm-hmm. groups within a year of yeah, indeed, yeah. And then that is your model for what social life is growing up. And you break out of it a bit. You know, I made friends who are a bit older than, older than me when I was a teenager and think I actually learned some good things from them. And then now in my twenties, I mean, I guess you have a few bosses and people up again down mm-hmm. in hierarchies, but there's still, I think, I think we're conditioned unconsciously into being like, I spend time around people my own age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an issue. Age is an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also I, I spend time with in, in always in mixed gender situations. There's always women around, you know, and, uh, um, that's not true of traditional modes, right? Uh, but it's kind of true of postmodern modes is, 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 is that you're always, you're always in a mixed gender situation. Uh-huh. And so you lose the polarity and you lose the spark between the genders, you know, because there has to be a polarity for there to be a spark, right? For there to be a creative process going on. So I think I, I, I'm not advocating any kind of like controlled gender separation or anything, but I think that I think that it's good to find times where you get together with your male friends uh-huh, and, and, and also for the women to get together with their women friends and, and build brotherhood and sisterhood. Uh, um, I think that's very powerful. And I think that's, that's missing from the current cultural uh, paradigm mm. as, as, as an activity, which is valorized. It just happens sometimes spontaneously, but it's not a valorized activity. And, and in fact, people kind of think of it as old fashioned or, um, but the thing is when you get together, what I've noticed in men's group is when you get a bunch of men's together, they're not competitive with each other at all. They're, 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 and they're not afraid to be vulnerable and, and, and they, they, they can be very straightforward and, and, and um, uh, uh, you know, compassionate, helpful to each other and, and, and that sort of thing. In in a way that's a little bit different than if it was just if then if there were if there if there were women around right in a way that's a little bit more. Uh, there's 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 no sexuality in the air right so so it's so there's no there's no there's no when if if men and women are together men are always trying to impress women and women are you know trying to you know there's this there's a game happening which is, 
which is about seduction. Uh-huh. And you need to step out of this game of seduction sometimes and, uh, you know, get out of that game for a while. And that's, that's, that's the use of, of, um, of men's groups. Mm. And one of the problems with joke, you know, Joker is just lives with his mother, you know, so he's, he's, uh, I guess he goes to, he has a job and he goes to, but, and, and then he goes to work and he's bullied by these, you know, so we have, what, what do we have? We have either his, his maternal world, which he can't, he can't break out of, or you have, um, you have these violent men and there's, or these like, um, bullying brutish types of men but i think masculinity is something very deep and and very nuanced and very that you can cultivate and and so i i, I liked i that, that's what i've been that's that's been my experience in, in these things and and my experience comes from let's say having a, uh being coming from a divorced family and having um you know uh, you know Growing up with my mother, and in the '90s, I think I, I had no notion of this at all, of a gender in any way. And I had hair, had long hair down to here. I was, excuse me, I'm sorry. I almost, I almost identified more with the, the the female world than with the male world, you know, which is interesting as well, right? But, but, uh, but then later in my life, it becomes necess- It's become necessary for me to to consider these consider what actually, you know, male, malehood and brotherhood and what that means. What about you? Yeah, it's, I feel interestingly, like also I have existed somewhat in feminine space and I've almost had to rediscover masculinity, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which has been a very joyous thing actually. Yeah. Um, again, like my parents separated, and then I lived with my mum for a while. There you go. Uh, but but then, do you know what I'm thinking here now is actually of there is something about you know Alexander talks about the the gender ambiguous shamanic type to a mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. artsy and philosophical and who exists to go between those two words and i love that as well i love that i think that's that's fantastic the in-between people yeah mm, and i think that really does help me make sense of how i've always felt like in some sense i have one foot in in the guy's world but then in another, in another sense i've felt more connected say to say to people and to to animals than to analytical technical things and to, mm-hmm. to conversation deep conversation about feelings and people than i suppose mm. or what you might think of as masculine conversation but as i said rediscovering masculinity and being like okay this is a cool thing to do and to sometimes walk around and feel like there's a bit of swagger and like i want to go and tell yeah. something to get out of my way is actually feels good and it's not destructive it's not being joker it's not like i want to destroy yeah. but it's like i i am a force it's a positive like cutting through notion right uh, i was thinking about it this in terms of circling do you know gay syndox circling thing 
Mm. There's this idea of circling, and circling is, is, is a beautiful idea for, for you know, dialogue and, and conversation. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, but my question was, okay, is this, are, are you just going to be circling around something forever? And when do you have the line also in the circle? <laughs> so so it's, I, I think circling is very matriarchal. It's very maternal. It's like you circle around an idea and then, until you, and then I guess, and then you get some clarity. And, and that, that clarity is, is the, is the, is, is the um, cutting through masculine principle. So if you're circling forever, um, within the feminine um, um, there has to be this counterbalance of the of the vertical or the or the or the line to cut through that uh-huh. um, does that make any sense yeah so what I'm thinking I was listening the other day to a talk by what's his name? I don't know how to pronounce it David Dada but who wrote the way of the superior man mm-hmm. one of the things I found very interesting he was talking about the difference between masculine and feminine ecstasy and so he says masculine ecstasy feels like the liberation from constraints from boundaries which is why men love doing things like like playing games or playing chess or indeed going out into danger because danger is a boundary it's a it's a threat but if you can transcend it then you get that that exhilaration of liberation from that whereas the feminine ecstasy is much more about the fullness and the surrender to the to the richness and diversity of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I watch my wife with with my daughter, you know, and it's a uh, with a young infant, and the amount of intent attention that 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 requires, the amount of sort of patience and dedication is like. It's it's no wonder that people you worship the Madonna and child. It's like it's 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 such an incredible thing to behold, right? Um, and uh, and 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 I, I don't feel suited for that <laughs> on some level, right? It, you know, especially I think in the first the first year, I, I'm awkward in that place in in a way, right? Uh, so so um, so I need to help as as best I can. Um, but there is, is a way in which, um, that, that, that's her, her realm and, and I, I'm the helper from a bit outside and that, that's what seems to happen. Um, and, and, but, but I, I think that, um, and I notice also that, that that's just, this, this is a pure sort of domestic space. And then, and then I have to kind of go out and, and say, I'm, we're going to do this or, you know, we're going to do that, right? If I just remain within the domestic space, being the little helper, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's awkward. So, so, it's, uh, so, uh, so I have to say, okay, we're going to go do that. We're going to go move towards, we're going to, we have to do this. We have to, you know, um, and I think that's, a, that's the sort of male-female balance is the man goes sort of outside in the, the woman keeps the inside. Um, there's the sacred inside, and then there's the pushing boundary outside. Yeah. And again, when we're talking about these things, we don't want to talk about them in some kind of like this is the way it should be or anything, or there should be some rigid archetype that describes this experience because because you know there's endless diversity of possibilities of, of how these these things could could happen. There's just there there are some sort of basic deep 
biological realities to, to, to who we are, which are involved in this very male female uh, thing. And I think that's almost the deepest thing you could study, right? There's not almost nothing, uh, nothing more deep than studying male and, you know, studying, studying that, studying the male female dance dynamic, you know, not just dance, the war dance, and, um, the whole, that, that's the template for everything on some level, which makes us human or makes it not makes us human, makes us, makes us, or that's the template for like, what, what, what I, I think the full idea of what I'm saying is like, um, the most intimate thing is the thing, the most important thing to work on or to, 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 to discover, to, to build on. And if you don't have that, then you have this Joker world, uh, which is totally an absurdism. You know, everything is absurd. Politics is absurd. Society is absurd. You know, you know, families are absurd, purely negative. Postmodern sort of flatland with no depth and well that's another thought that certainly i had the experience at points growing up like yes families are absurd and it was because of coming mm -hmm. through quite a nasty separation that had many many years leading up to it you know it's essentially like my parents didn't really have much of a relationship at all and so then i would just be like oh family is this stupid thing we have to do and like hang around with people I don't like. And then now I'm thinking again about civilization in perpetuity. Like if you don't have that model for family, for intimacy with others who were there before you and who will theoretically be there after you, then, then what is left but absurdity. Yeah. There is a connection to this kind of family is in a way family is everything it's just you know the, i know they always say that in the mafia or something it's just family but i don't mean it in that sense i mean um yeah i i don't know if i have it i i can say more than that just that you know the word even the word family is very beautiful right it's like family is everything um and everything everything family and everything everything grows from this family structure Mm, and you can go Freudian on it because you can think that family is the birth of that experience of, of uh -huh. desire. Yeah. Well, maybe not family in the sense of the nuclear family. Maybe the nuclear family is a bit problematic. That's a complex discussion. I don't know if I have a handle on what you could say about that, but I, I don't really mean, I don't merely mean the, the nuclear family. I think the nuclear family, uh, is in the way the the end of families or something the end of the big family the you know the big i'm thinking of the big family right like the familia or something i, <laughs> I don't know if that's an italian word but the mm. like the clan or the even small tribe who are all invested in each other yeah yeah well there's also two levels of family there's your blood family and then your 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 um spiritual family and your tribal family and your there's a lot of their families nested within families. <laughs> mm.
And, uh, you know, Alexander talks about tribal mapping a lot. He talks about, you know, and this whole Dunbar number, that's, this has been talked to, a lot of people are talking about that, is that actually everybody has a role somewhere and that there is maybe a template. Um, we don't know what it is actually, but, you know, everybody has a, a kind of a role somewhere. And happiness is not, I, I, I kind of disagree with Jordan Peterson in the sense of, you know, happiness is becoming the, the individual. No, I don't think that's right. I think happiness is finding your, 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 your place with, within the community, um, within the, the, the correct community, right? The, the Sangha in, in Buddhist terms or the, the right living community. That, that's actually when you become fulfilled and, and your life sort of becomes very meaningful is, is, is when, when you find that. And actually, we, we don't really have that. I mean, on some level. Some people have it more than others. But that's why we suffer a lot, I would say. I say we suffer, but I mean, that's why there's so much suffering is because is we're, we're kind of on the road back to discovering who we already are. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think you're totally right about individualists well i think alexander is fond of pointing out that it's just a myth and it doesn't even really exist yeah um, you know again it just comes back to this idea of religion being that thing that we practice in order to get beyond that experience of self and into a intimate contact with that which is beyond both spatially and temporally backwards and forwards mm-hmm you know, even like individuals, the fact that I'm sitting here right now unable to talk is because I ate some food this morning and so I'm not starving and unable to think and the food came from somewhere else and I didn't grow it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all these layers of depth built up on top of each other and to claim that I am an individual totally responsible for myself is... Also, you're an individual... ...degree of control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gurdjieff says that, you know, man is, is legion. So we think that we're one self, but actually we're many, many, many sub-personalities, you know. And, and often they're, at, you know, in conflict with each other. Sometimes they're in harmony with each other, you know. And also what we are right now might be, our individual expression right now might be, it might be something different in, in five minutes. Or, you know, I'm certainly a different person than I was last year. And you know, and and, uh, and and a wildly different being than I was in, in my, in my when I was your age, or in my twenties, and and uh, you know, uh, so so there there is no fixed static individual by by any means, um, and and we have many individuals, many. Well, I guess the word is individual. <laughs> that's the mm. that's the uh, what's his name? Oh, this French theorist, the Deleuze's Deleuze? expression. That we're, we're we're individuals. We're not we're not exactly individuals. We're more like individuals, like we're more like a legion of of you know potential beings. But we want something eternal to cling on to, be it the God in the sky or the idea of the individual, or yeah, even just the sense of the hero or being good, or the ideology for that matter. Mm-hmm. Hmm. and it, it's again we're back to this dialectic between matricle and paternal mm-hmm. the, the point that is focused on and the circling around mm-hmm. 
you lose the circling and it's just rigid narrow totalitarianism yeah yeah but yeah. you lose that and you just have the circle and you just have the postmodern graveyard of narcissism yeah just cycles and cycles and cycles and and, and no sort of um you know uh upward mov movement yeah exactly so yeah so th this is uh that's what i like about alexander's you know we need the matriarchal and the patriarchal they're both uh we need and, and uh the mother and the, and the father lineage um uh and we, we need to kind of um uh that's that's i i think we need to rediscover those and and also um honor those and sort of bow down before that that rich um well, that rich incredible rich you know what what's behind us in some sense <laughs> andrew i think that might be a nice place to wrap up you know i was just thinking like my brain is kind of like 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 uh, just a, a bit fried at this point and i was like that that we're, we're i'm kind of losing it a bit losing the thread so, so you, you, you uh you notice that as well. I think I'm feeling the same thing. I think I'm feeling philosophy now. <laughs>